I think we ought to get into it this morning. This message has kind of been beaten on my heart for the last uh, few days, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to preach it. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us today, Lord. I know you have an amazing word for us today, and I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll open us up to receive it. Father, this word's got to get in us, and it's got to change us, Lord God. We are your people, Father God, and we need to be about your business. And so, Father, I pray for that anointing to take a hold of each of our lives. I pray, Father, that you'll help me as I deliver this word. Father, through your power, through your amazing love, Lord, get it in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, You know, it's amazing at what God does in the hearts of human beings. You know, a few years ago, I didn't even know where Franklin was on the map. And today I'm pastoring the church here. And, you know, a few years ago, I didn't know any of you. And today I know all of you for the most part. And, you know, God causes us to love one another. He puts this in us. And I just, if you haven't been told you're loved I want to just tell you, I love all of you this morning, all of you, even the people who are mean to me. I, I, I love, and most of those are in my own family. So, uh, I, but uh, y'all just need to know your pastor loves you. Your pastor loves this church. And so, uh, amen. I have great affection for all of you. Amen. I want to welcome you this morning to the conclusion of our What on Earth Am I Here For? This is a spiritual growth campaign that we jumped into a few weeks ago. And during this series of messages, I kind of just want to bring us up to speed. We've looked at five different purposes for our lives. We, let me say this, you, me, we are not an accident. There are There are accidental parents out there, but I want to tell you there are no accidental children. There are illegitimate parents out there, but no illegitimate children. Your parents may not have planned you, but I will tell you this. God planned every human being that's on the face of this earth right now. He planned it. He planned it even before the foundation of the earth was laid. The Bible says he knew you. And there is value in your life because God gives you significance. You're not an accident. He created you for a purpose. There's a reason why you're here. He thought all of this up, and there's a reason why you're here. Five reasons that we've been looking at these last few weeks. Five assignments, if you would, that he's given us. Five callings, as the Bible tells us we have. The vocation of our lives, we talked about that. Your vocation is more than your career. You might be someone who drives a truck or somebody that runs a computer, and that's the way you bring finance into your home, but that's that's your career. It's not your vocation. Your vocation is the reason for your existence. God made you for these five different reasons. First of all, we looked at the first reason why we exist here on this earth. Our number one purpose in our life is to be loved by God. God wants to love you folks. Listen to this, man. This is one of the most misunderstood things of all eternity is that that God just made us so he could love on us. And so often we think, man, he hates us because I've made mistakes in our lives, but God created us to love us. And until you and I get a hold of that, nothing else in our lives is going to make sense. We're here because God wants to love on us. We are made by God for him to love us. 
He made you to love you. That's cool. Whenever you, to, whenever you feel totally and completely loved by God, you see, then you have this capacity in you, this, this capacity to move into every other area that he wants you to move into, every other area that he wants you to experience because he wants you to live life to its fullness. Y'all, y'all understand what I'm saying? I mean, a full life, not a, not a stinky life, not a life that has no frills and no uh, uh, a joy in it. God wants you to live life to the fullest. But until you understand that he loves you and he created you to love you, it's very, very difficult for you to walk in all of these things that he's called you to walk in. The second thing we looked at is you're called to belong. You're called not just to be loved, but you're called to belong. You're called to belong to the amazing family. And it's not the Watson family or the Blue family. It's the family of God. Amen? I belong to a big family. I got folks in my family overseas. I got folks on... Every continent of this world, I got folks. Y'all understand? I've got kin. That, that may be help you better because we're in the South. Amen? I got kin folk everywhere. He's called us to be a part of this amazing family. We're called to belong to a family. You're not meant to go through life on your own. You're not supposed to be a, long, a lone ranger. You are made for this connection, this, this community of God's uh, uh, children We find our meaning, we find our purpose in these relationships with one another. You are made, you are created, you are called to belong. The third calling that we looked at, and I'm just going over these very quickly, is the calling to become. God wants you to become something. He has plans for your life. Remember, he thought you up. He he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you before the world was even created. He thought you up and he's got plans for your life. He made you to become what he wants you to be. There's always this, parents, uh, I need to break something to you. Don't tell your kids you can be anything you want to be in life because that's not true. I could never be an opera singer because I can't sing. I've often wondered if I could ever be a ballet dancer. Okay, there's way too much laughing going on. Just telling you that's kind of where my heart's at. Oftentimes we tell our kids, hey, you can be anything you want to be, but that's really not true. No matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be that opera singer. No matter how hard I try, I'm never going to be that good at sports because whenever I was in school, I was always the last one that was being picked for the team. You know what I'm saying? Team captains, and then they go, okay, you're going to take him? I don't want him. You can have him. Well, that meant extra man on your team. I don't care. Just take him. You're called to become what God has for you to become. He's got a plan for your life. I'm not wired to be an opera singer. I'm not wired to be a sports professional, but I am wired for what it is that God has called me to become, amen? And whenever I become what God has called me to become, I'm gonna tell you, there's gonna be a lot more joy in my life. I'm gonna enter into the joy zone because I'm doing exactly what it is I was created to do. Amen? You're called 
to be loved, you're called to belong, and you're called to become what it is he needs you to become. And last week, we looked at the fourth calling on our life, and that is that we are called to bless. We're called to bless other people. God didn't put us on earth to live a selfish little uh, life and it's all about me, 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 me. It's, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about all of the people that God has put us in their lives. It's all, it's all about others. And whenever we look at our lives, the only way we're going to find true purpose that gives our lives this purpose that we need to have is whenever we start to give our lives away. That's the best feeling on earth that you can possibly have is whenever you start giving yourself away to others. It's an amazing thing, but it's the way God met, that's the way God met us. That's the way God made us. It's harder to say than you think it is. See, as I bless other people, I am also blessed. As I help other people, I am also helped. Whatever you sow in life, you're going to get back more of. If you sow criticism and you sow hatred, that's what you're going to get back. But if you sow praise and you sow love, that's what you're going to get back. You're called to bless other people. You're called to bless other people with your life. That's your shape. Some of you have already begun to take these uh, uh, gifts assessment tests as, as you're moving through these small groups. And, and, and these spiritual gifts are so important to you because it tells you what your heart is, tells you what your abilities are, your personality, all of those things. God wants to use them. There's nobody on this planet that is uniquely shaped like you. You've got fingerprints and a voice print, eye print, hand print, all of those are different from every human being on the earth. And your shape, your uh, spiritual gifts are different from anybody else on the planet. God doesn't want anyone else. He wants you. He wants you. I used to think I had to be somebody else in order to be in the ministry. Whenever I first got in the ministry, one of the things I thought is, man, I've, I've got to learn how to preach like Jimmy Swaggart. <laughs> It wasn't so good at thinking. God told me one day, he said, I already got Jimmy Swaggart. He said, I want you. I called you to be you. And that freed me up. That meant I could be crazy. And because God called me, I was as crazy back then as I am now. I just don't say everything that's crazy that comes into my mind now that I used to say back then. Today, we're going to look at a fifth calling. And we're going to move through this rather quickly. I don't think it's going to take more than an hour, hour and a half. Two hours, possibly on the long end of it. This calling that I'm talking about today is a call to be sent. I'm called to belong. I'm called to be loved. I'm called to become. I'm called to bless, but I am also called to be sent. God's plan all through history, if you want to know the purpose of all the history that's taken place, Everything that's going to happen in the future, God's plan is to get him a great, big, huge family. God is in the process right now of gathering up his family. 
It's just like I said a while ago. I got fan, I got kin folks across the uh, the seas. I've got them in every nation. I've got them in every continent on this planet. I got kin folks because God is putting together, amassing a great big family. God is gathering this family that will that will love and live with Him forever. This is going to be an amazing family, folks. We're going to be in heaven with one another one of these days, and it's going to be good. How many of y'all know there's not going to be any baldness in heaven? Come on. Ain't going to be any creaks in heaven whenever you get up off the chair. You know what I'm saying? You go, oh, oh, oh. Not going to be any sickness in heaven. God is gathering all of these folks up so that he can assemble them in heaven and we are going to live and love with him forever. In Ephesians 1.15, this is what it says. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, and this gave him great pleasure. Jesus, this is the whole plan. This is why Jesus came, so that God could amass this huge family by adopting us into it. For this to happen, though, somebody's got to be the person who brings the good news to folks all over the planet. Are you all there? The Bible makes it very, very clear. The message was brought to us first. The Jewish nation got it first. And then you and I got it second. I missed up there just a little bit. The Jews got it first, and then we got it second. The Jews brought, the nation of Israel brought the gospel message to to the rest of the world. God gave this message to the, the Jews to give to the rest of the world, and I'm thankful that it finally trickled down to me all the way in 1980. But here's the catch with it. We are now possessors of this message of the gospel, this good news, the story of Jesus, and we are supposed to be passing it on to others. All of us are created by God and all of us are loved by God, but not everybody is called a child of God. We can't just make this mass statement and say the whole world is children of God because they're not. In fact, the Bible is very clear. It tells us if if you ain't with Jesus Christ, you're actually a child of the devil. Until you receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you have that John chapter 3 experience where you get born again. That's whenever you become a child of the Most High God. But this is what we all know. If you're going to become a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, you have to choose to be in the family. I made a choice about 40 years ago to follow Jesus Christ. If you guys are in the kingdom this morning, you guys know that you made a choice. There's only two ways to get into the family. That's to be born or adopted into it. The Bible uses both of these metaphors, this spiritual rebirth or this spiritual adoption. And what it means is that that's the way you and I get into the family, is being born again, being adopted into the family. God's whole purpose for creating the universe is to gather this group of people together who chooses willingly to love him. God gives me a free choice to love or to reject him. God says you you ought to give everybody else a free choice to love or reject. That's, that's That's the whole plan for humanity. Every person that has ever lived, every person that's going to live, they have a choice of whether or not they receive or they reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who choose to love him, they become a part of his family. 
for God together, his family, somebody has to be passing on this good news. Somebody got to be passing it on. You see, if we all begin to keep our mouths shut, nobody else is going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Assemblies of God was founded. The Assemblies of God, this church that you and I stand in today, multiple generations down the line from where it was started in Hot Springs, Arkansas, this Assembly of God ministry was started so that this body could send out missionaries all over the world. That was the reason we are in existence today. And because of the assemblies of God, masses of people worldwide have come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, I want to read this to you. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, that's good news. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell without being sent? That is what the scriptures mean when they say, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What is this verse, Pastor, that you just read? It's the fifth purpose of our lives. The fifth purpose is, the fifth calling on my life is I'm sent to bring others into the family of God. That's my purpose. That's the fifth purpose on on my life. The moment that I stepped across that line spiritually back in 1980, I needed to begin to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. The moment that I stepped across and you go, well, wait a minute. You know, you, you should have some training and some evangelism tools and some classes, so on and so forth. I'll be very honest with you. I think new converts make the best evangelists of anybody. Because, man, they're pumped up. Jesus forgave me, man. I'm going to my family. I'm going to my friends. I'm going to my coworkers. I can remember somebody one time coming to me in a new convert. Man, they were preaching Jesus Christ all over town. And I'll be very honest with you. They weren't getting it all exactly right. Are you all here with me? Somebody came to me and they said, man, you need to tell them to slow down. And I said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm never going to tell them to slow down, but I'd sure for, like for you to catch up with them. I don't want to be saying, whoa, whoa. I want to say, go, go. I mean, think about this for a minute. Let's say that you were down in your basement laboratory, you know, cooking up some chemicals. Not those chemicals. Okay. I've seen y'all's faces there. And all of a sudden, you got this chemical mixture just right, and you... Stop it. (laughs) Yeah. You got this chemical mixture just right, and all of a sudden, you you discovered a cure for cancer. I mean, folks could step up with the worst kind of cancer, get an injection of these chemicals that you boil together in your basement... They're done. They're cancer-free. And then you decided, because you got this amazing thing going on, that you're not going to tell anybody about it. And there's going to be thousands upon thousands of people every day that die from this hideous thing called cancer. I'm going to tell you something. If I found out about it, if you were keeping this a secret, I'd go over to your house and punch you in the mouth. I mean, serious. I will say this. I don't think anybody in this church would do such a thing. 
I think if somebody did that, it would be, it would literally be criminal. I mean, lock them up, put them in prison, incarcerate them, whatever it is. But whenever we think about it, God has given us an even greater message. Because somebody that dies of cancer, if they know Jesus Christ, the moment they breathe their last breath, they're standing in front of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Woo, baby! So cancer may have kicked their rear end down here, but I'm telling you, they're in glory. Y'all there? But if they don't know Jesus Christ, cancer is the least of their worries. Are y'all here with me? God has given us this even greater message than a cure for cancer. How to have our past forgiven. How to have purpose for living. How to have a home in heaven. And to not share it with people. So my fifth purpose, my fifth calling in life is I am sent to bring others into the family of God. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Through Christ, God made peace between us and Himself. Then God gave us the work of bringing others into peace with Him. So there was a time in my life where me and God were enemies. Listen to this. I was an enemy with Him. There was a time in your life where you were an enemy with God. But whenever you came and you knelt and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says, through Jesus Christ, you made peace with God. I'm at, I'm at peace with God. I'm not his enemy anymore, are you there? But then it goes on and it says, he gave us the work of bringing others into that peace with him. This scripture equals God's eternal peace plan. God has a peace plan. He gets us at peace, and then he helps us to God and get others to be at peace with God. Sometimes I have a hard time sleeping at night, and my wife has oftentimes said, because she'll go to sleep and sleep like soundless, all, I mean sound all, not soundless, sound all night long, and then the next day I say, I didn't sleep real well. And she said, well, your conscience must not have been clear. <laughs> She's got it right a couple of times. <laughs> okay. But most of the time, it's because I'm doing something. I do things all night long. And the amazing thing is it doesn't get anything done the next day. But I'll be honest with you, there's been a many, many, many times that I've laid down and went to sleep since I made my peace with God. And one thing that I never worry about at night is that if I should die while I sleep, that I'm going to wake up somewhere I don't want to be. Why? Because I have complete peace in my heart that I am right with God. God has a peace plan. The ministry of reconciliation is our job. It's to bring somebody who is a, an enemy of God and to make them a child of God. God's peace plan de depends on you and I accepting this fifth calling on our lives, this calling 
to be sent. In John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And at Trinity, folks, we've got to, as a church, we've got to take this verse seriously. Jesus Christ is sending us. Life isn't about accomplishments because many times that's what we set out. We said, I'm going to accomplish this. I'm going to achieve this. I'm going to make all of these accusations, accusations. Sometimes we make accusations. It's not about that. It's about the relationships, the relationships with other people, your relationship to God, your relationship with yourself, the relationship with people. That's what's important in our life. We have to love God with all of our heart. The Bible says love, love our neighbor as ourself. And you go, well, pastor, I'm just, you know, I just, I'm just pretty ordinary person. I don't have anything special about me. But folks, you got to remember the people who brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world back whenever Jesus tag teamed them, whenever he went up to be in heaven, you remember Peter and John and James and these guys that we think are, whoa, that was the apostle Peter. You got to understand the apostle Peter was just a regular guy, just a regular guy. That's all he was. He didn't have some great education. He was just a regular guy. That's all the people Jesus called was just regular guys, regular people. They were ordinary people, but they were empowered by God. And I got to tell you something, whenever they got empowered by God, they made a difference. In John chapter 15, verse 16, this is what it says. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Do you believe that? I mean, seriously. Listen, let me read it again. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I think that probably all of us agree that verse is true. We can believe that verse, but it's not enough just to believe it. We got to practice it. We got to live it. We got to do it. This is the one calling that most people want to shy away from because, man, sometimes it can be uncomfortable to share the gospel with somebody that's our coworker or our family member, so on and so forth. So uncomfortable sometimes to share our gospel story with some stranger on the street. But I'm telling you, This is what God has called us to do. Fruit is this metaphor that is used here in this this scripture for a successful life. You see, whenever we get to heaven, we're going to be either toting a big old basket of fruit or a little cup of fruit. Are you all there with me? We're going to be able to stand before Jesus Christ and say, Christ, this is all the fruit that I brought to you. Oh, man. Oh, it wouldn't hurt because you're in heaven. Or you're going to stand there and say, God, you know, I got this. I seen a a thing on Facebook the other day about a a rain gauge in New Mexico. My mom's been saying for a long time they haven't got very much rain. And so this person had a bottle cap sitting out on the porch railing and it said that was a rain gauge for the state of New Mexico. I I oftentimes, I have a hard time. My mom, she calls and she said, well, has it rained there? I said, mom, we got three and a half inches yesterday. She goes, man, you should share that with us. We haven't got any for like six months. I want to have a lot. Amen? I want to have a basket. I don't want to have a bottle cap full. I want it to rain souls in my life. I want it to rain souls in this ministry. Amen? 
If I was to be really honest this morning with all of us, kind of getting down right where we live, most of what you and I do in our lives is... It's, just, it's not going to last. I mean, most of what we spend our, our money on, most of what we spend our time on, most of what we do in our lives is, is just not ever going to last. Most of what I do isn't going to last because why? It's not eternal. Whenever you start messing around with eternal things, I mean, figure this. Some of the stuff we do might last five years or ten years or maybe a hundred years. I don't know, but most things that we do aren't going to last. But we start messing around with eternal things. Man, eternal things is this. Eternal things are people and the Word of God. That's what's going to last. People are going to heaven. The Bible says that the Word of God is never going to pass away. I mean, but so often I get to talking about goofy stuff that I think, man, oh, this movie or that ball team or, you know, how I spend my summer, so on and so forth. Jesus, Jesus is telling us here through all of this word this morning is that he wants us to do something with our lives that's going to last. We're not going to get to heaven and say, guess what, Jesus? My team won the Super Bowl. Huh? There's only two things that's going to last, people and his word. And so this is what I'm saying. We need to invest our life in, in the truth of God's word and invest our life into people. Those are the things that are going to last. I mean, think about this. What if one of these days you and I get to heaven and someone comes up to you and says, I just want to thank you and say, and you say, well, well, thank me for what? I don't even know you. No, you don't know me, but you helped in a ministry. You helped in a project. You helped in some kind of humanitarian effort, some kind of missions trip that your church sent people to. You, you, you did something that caused me to get to know God. Because I think that's going to happen. I really do. I think there's going to be people that, that come from different continents, different, different countries, that whenever we get to heaven, they're going to come to us and thank us. And we're going to go, I, I have no idea who you are, but they're going to say, listen, man, you, you did something that helped me get to heaven. There's, there's nothing that you can do that's more important than, than to determine people's destiny with your actions. To determine people's destiny with your life. That's the only thing that's going to outlast. Only thing that's going to outlast is what we do in people's lives. William James said it this way, the greatest use of our life is to invest it in that which outlasts it. When you invest in people who are going to last for eternity, then you are bearing fruit that will last. Jesus is calling us to invest our lives, to give our lives. Yeah, we're called to be loved and we're called to become and we're called to be all of those things that we've went over in the last few weeks. But this morning, we got to take this one on as well. I'm called to be sent. 
I don't want to have a conversation with Jesus Christ one of these days and said, Jesus, I was good at being loved and I was good at becoming and I, I was good at all those other ones. But that fifth one, man, that pastor preached about that Sunday morning, that's just one, you know, I never did really get into. I don't want to have that conversation with Jesus. Are, are you all there? I just don't want to have that. And we don't have to if we'll just know that this is what our lives are about. Each of us has to have a personal plan to bring people to peace with God, to make people uh, come to a place where they are at peace with God. So whenever we talk about this plan, let me give you a quick rundown of what kind of plan we ought to have, this peace plan, if you would. Three dimensions to it. Personal peace, local peace, and global peace. And your life needs to be involved in all three of these dimensions. You need to have a personal peace plan, a local peace plan, a, a, a global peace plan. And you go, Pastor, what, what does it mean? Well, this is, this is what it means to be called. This is what it means to be sent. A personal peace plan is this, a mission to the people that are in my life. Each one of us has a sphere that we run in, different individuals that our lives rub against on a, on a daily basis, weekly basis, monthly basis. And, and I got to tell you, all, all of us in this room have different circles of, of influence. We have different people that we work with, different people that we play with. We have all of these different people in our lives, but, but we have to have a mission to our family and our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. This is a personal plan to go to them and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to start thinking about things. How in the world could, could I be a blessing to them? How in the world could I bless their lives? How can I help them to know Jesus Christ in a personal way? That's my personal peace plan. But then it goes past that. It goes to a local peace plan. That's that's where you're in your small groups. We've got small groups that are doing outreaches and, and ministries. It's our service projects. We have a church that so often has gone out into our community and we have compelled them, if you would, to come, to come in. Local peace, that's what we do in our groups. That's what we do in our, in our local church. That's whenever we reach out to the poor, we care for the sick. We, we have all of these different ministries that our church needs to have to minister the hurts of the local people that are around us. And then ultimately, there's this one, global peace. Global peace, that global, global peace plan is the mission of our church to the world. In Isaiah 14, verses 26 and 24, it says, It will all happen as I have planned. It will come about according to my purposes. I have a plan for the whole earth, for my mighty power reaches through throughout the world. So you got to ask yourself, well, God, what do you want me to do? I've got a local plan. I, I've got a personal plan, but this global plan, man, that's way more than I, I can't go to, you know, Egypt and I can't go to the, the Middle East. I can't go to China. But what do you want me to do? In Acts 20, 24, it says the most important thing is that I complete, complete my mission. The work of the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. So the most important thing that he's talking about here, this is the most important thing of his entire life is that he completes his mission. God has a mission for each of our lives. God has a life message that he wants to say to the world through you. 
and he's got a life mission for your life as well. The most important thing is, is that I complete that mission, the work that Jesus Christ gave me to tell people the good news about God's amazing grace. So here we all are gathered up. This is the 15th day of November 2020, correct? Is that right? And there's people that are in the sanctuary here listening, some folks in the foyer, and there's some folks listening in my line and uh, online. But here's my question. Why do you think you're hearing this today? I mean, see, I believe that God is a sovereign God, and I, I think he does everything for a purpose. Amen. I don't think that you're here by chance. I believe it's the providential hand of God. If you're listening online, I don't believe that you're listening by chance. I believe God' providential hand has, has, has got you at that moment to listen to this message. So why do you think you're hearing this? Simple answer, because God wants you. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you to share this amazing message with people who don't know it. Personally, your little sphere right here in the community you live in, your sphere with this church as it reaches out, or your small group as it reaches out, but as this church reaches out globally, we support missionaries all over the globe. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you. But you say, well, pastor, man, how do I do that? That's a big job. How do I do that? There's four things, and then I'm going to move through these quickly, and then we'll close. Pray that people will say yes to God. Praying is one of the most dynamic things that you and I can do. It's powerful whenever we pray. I'm telling you this morning, I'm standing here as a direct result of people who prayed for my life because there was a time in my life whenever I was a heathen. I was a big time heathen, a good heathen, a practiced heathen. Are you all there with me? Didn't go to church, didn't want to go to church. I had nothing to do with church. And all of a sudden, two people, just two people decided that I needed to be part of the church. They didn't need to, they decided I need to be part of the kingdom of God. They decided I need to be born again. And I was a heathen. And so they started praying. They started getting on their knees and seriously praying for this reprobate to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. My testimony this morning, I could go into great lengths with it, but I'm telling you that God literally used an act of nature to bring me to the kingdom of God. Because all of my money ran out. I couldn't get up in the wilderness because there was so much snow, more snow than I'd ever seen. My brother says, hey, come down. We'll get you a job. Then you can pay your pickup payment, so on and so forth. So I moved all my stuff down to where he lived at, and I didn't have no money. So he said, you can live with me, but while you're living with me, you have to go to church. And I said, if I can stand on my head that long. And it wasn't but just a few weeks of going to church that I was sitting on the back pew of the sanctuary just waiting, just waiting for them to ring the dismissal bell so that I could be out the back door of the church away from all those freaky Christian people. And that was the night that I received Jesus Christ. I came to know Him as Savior. And I'm telling you, there were two people that were responsible for that because they prayed. So you see, Pastor, how can I do that? Well, 
you got to pray. You got to say yes to God. I will pray. So you got to pray for those people. But not only do you pray for those people, but you need to pray for something else as well. In Matthew nine thirty seven and thirty eight, it says Jesus said, "There are so many people to harvest, but only a few workers to help harvest them." Pray to the Lord who owns the harvest that he will send out more workers to gather his harvest. Folks, this would be a prayer of ours every day. We should be praying, God, please send missionaries out. Send people out into our communities. God, God, I pray for workers in the harvest. Amen? I mean, we should be praying right here for this local body. I, I would hate to have any of you in this room leave and, and, and go somewhere else. But man, if you were leaving and going into the mission field, I would be clapping and rejoicing with you because this church has done what it's supposed to do. We got to be praying. God send more people out into the harvest. I believe that there's probably been people in this church I know I have that have prayed this for a long time, and I have to tell you, I think God today is stirring in the hearts of this congregation, and we're realizing that we can't keep this to ourselves. If we are saved and on our way to heaven, we got to be telling somebody about it in our circle of influence, amen? So part of your calling in life is to pray that God will send out people to reach everybody with this amazing good news of his love because everybody deserves to hear it, folks. And there are people out there that have never heard it. I'm telling you, there are people right here in the United States of America that have never heard about Jesus Christ. You say, well, I can't believe that. Not America. Folks, I did a backyard Bible school a long time ago where I had a little young lady in there and she was sitting on the lawn. We were doing puppets and I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I, you know, asked this question. I said, how many of you know who Jesus is? You know, man, all the kids are raising their hand. I know who Jesus is. The one little girl, she didn't have her hand up. I said, oh, you know who Jesus is. She said, I don't know who Jesus is. I said, no, you know who Jesus is. She said, I don't know who Jesus is. And I said, no, come on, man, you're pulling old pastor's leg here. She said, I don't know who Jesus was. And I'm telling you, this little girl, probably 10 years old, had never heard about Jesus Christ. And she lived right here in the good old United States of America. Everybody deserves to hear about Jesus Christ. The second thing that you can do is you can give to help others go. So proud of this ministry over the years, how much that this ministry has contributed to missions. This church does way more for missions than the size of our congregation. I'm just telling you, trust me on that one. We got missionaries that we support, as I said earlier, all over the globe. But you realize God uses giving to test you and I's faith. You say, well, pastor, I already tied. Well, so do I. But God has called us to go over and above the tithe. He's called us to give to missions. The only way the missionaries are going out to the mission field is because local churches like, like this one and churches all over, individuals all over, are giving over and above their tithes so that they can send people to the missions field. And this church has been so generous over the years. I mean, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone out because of contributions made by this local body of believers. But I'm telling you, it's a gift of faith. It, it, it is a test of our faith to give. Because many times you're looking and you go, tithe, man, that's 10%. And, you know, I don't really have room in my budget for any more. I will tell you this, and you can take it to the bank. You cannot outgive God. You can't outgive Him. 
If you make up your mind and you go, man, I'm going to outgive you God, he's up there chuckling under his breath. You go, ain't no way, baby. Ain't no way. I've tested it before. Many people in this room, I could gather them together and we could one after another, we could give testimony of how they tried to outgive God. And every time God came through, let me tell you something, God does not have to use your job to bless you financially. God can keep your appliances running longer than they were ever designed to run. Come on. And keep your cars running longer than they ever, ever, ever were designed to run. Just put your hand on the dashboard every morning and say, God, bless this vehicle, bless this old jalopy, or bless this Lexus. I don't know what it is you're driving, but just bless it, God, because I'm going to give to you, and I cannot afford to have a new engine put in this thing. God says, deal. You don't think God knows the workings of a Gasoline engine? Okay. He knows. Maybe you're on that stage right now in your life where you really just can't, you know, go to the foreign mission field, but you can give to help other people get there. Maybe you're at home with preschoolers hanging all over your legs, or maybe you're, like I said a while ago, you got more creeks than you have whenever you stand up. I don't know. And you're at that age where you go, man, I really can't go overseas and spend my life over there because I've probably got just a few years left. The Bible says whenever you support other people to go on a humanitarian trip, a missions trip, a, 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 a relief mission, whatever it is that you're supporting, you're sharing in their reward. One of the things I like to do is give specifically to people that I know are going to make a difference because I know they're going, I'm going to share. You know, I, I just got to tell you this, not all missionaries are created equal, but this church has got some amazing missionaries that we support. And one of the reasons is, is because I believe that they need to be making a difference. Amen. This church supports Teen Challenge we, we give $750 a month to our local teen challenge. You know why we do that? Because we believe in that ministry. They are making a difference. And we need to step up and support them. I'd like to be doing twice that amount. We, we believe in that. But everything that Mike Barris and his team does over there at Teen Challenge across the river, I'm telling you, we are sharing in his reward. Matthew 10.8 says, freely you have received, freely give. In 3 John 1.8, it says, we must support believers who go on trips like this so that we can work together with them in spreading the truth. I can pray, I can give. This third one is, I can step out in faith. And you say, well, what do you mean step out in faith? I mean volunteer. That takes a step of faith. Volunteer. Step out there. I'll do it. Man, whenever I first got into ministry, I wanted to do everything. I mean, I just wanted to do everything. I was so happy that Jesus had got a hold of my life. It was good. It was good. It was good. So I volunteered for anything. Man, somebody say, you, will you do it? I said, yeah, I'll do it. I'll run the women's ministry. I'll just do it, whatever. I mean, I would have done anything. I was so hungry for something to do. I went to the pastor. And I mean, this is just a, a few days after I was born again. I just told him, I said, man, I want to do something. I just want, I want to do something. 
And so he gave me the job of picking up trash along a fence, uh, uh, around a fenced-in parking lot. Man, and I was so excited about that. I mean, I go, baby, I'm going to pick this trash up better than any human could ever pick this trash up. And I did. I cleaned it up. It was good. The next week, the wind blew 700 miles an hour, blew a bunch of trash in from Arizona all the way into New Mexico. Fence was all trashed up again. Rick and Joyce knows that's the truth, too. That's, that's the way it happens. Arizona trashes up. New Mexico, New Mexico trashes up Texas because all the wind comes out of the... Never mind, it's, you'd have to be there. Step out in faith. Volunteer. Become part of the army of God. You know what I kind of like to institute? Is a draft. Wouldn't that be great? Whenever you reach a certain age in the church of Jesus Christ, you have to fill out this little piece of paper, and now you are eligible for the draft, and I'd like to draft all of you. Send you a letter in the mail. You are drafted. <laughs> I'm drafted. <laughs> I'm moving to Canada. <laughs> I thought about that. You know, a draft. That would be awesome. That's not the way it works in ministry, though. I'd like to have a draft, but there is no draft. I have to have volunteers. I have to have people that will step up. And I mean, this morning was so great. I've been looking at that bass guitar sitting there on that corner for about, I don't know, 25 years now. Not quite that long, but I thought how lonely that bass guitar it must be. Every worship service, nobody plays it. Nobody's strumming on that thing. We bought these new speakers. We got bass, bass speakers on the platform so that you can hear that low reverberation, and nobody plays the bass. But this morning, I found out we got somebody has volunteered. Not Corey. We just did a little switcheroo up here this morning. But somebody's volunteering to learn the bass and play it. I'm going, hallelujah. And they didn't even hear this message this morning. You're just saying to the Lord, I'm here, I'm willing, I'm able. That's it. You know, we got deacons. I got, I got to compliment the deacons of this ministry. There's, there's, we got three right now that are on our board, but we got folks in this church that have been deacons over the years. And, and I just have to compliment because folks, I'm telling you, you do not know what a good group of deacons you've had over the past 18 years. We've never had a knife fight, gunfight, or anything in the deacon meeting. Never. I mean, our deacons are just have been such wonderful deacons. And I got but but do you know why they're deacons? Because at one time or in their life, they stepped up and they volunteered. They said, Man, I I I'm willing, I'm able. We've got Sunday school teachers, we have children's workers, we have people who are right now back in the nursery ministering to all those little babies. We've got our youth ministry has started, and, and the reason we've got people to staff all of those ministries, we have a food ministry that goes every two. Tuesday morning, and the list goes on and on is because people just says, listen, I'm stepping out in faith. I can do it. I can be part of this ministry. The train's moving, folks. God, God is moving, and all I want is for you to just get on the train. I mean, we ought to get up in the mornings and just say, God, okay, I want you to help me to be right smack dab in the middle of what you are blessing. Because this is a fact of the matter. God's blessing a whole lot of stuff every day. 
blessing stuff all over the world. He's blessing stuff right here in our community. And so we ought to be praying. Say, God, just let me be right in the middle of it. Let me have some of it. Not want to work on my own plan. I want to work on your plan, God. I don't say, God, bless my plans. I'm saying, God, I want to be in the middle of your plans that you're blessing today. And, and you know, just say, God, can I get some of it? And that's where you step out in faith like Isaiah did. Isaiah uh, 6, 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. That's what Isaiah, he hears this voice saying, Man, who can I send? And I Isaiah's going, oh, 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 me, me, I want to go. You know what was the greatest thing about children's ministry? It never lacked for a volunteer. If I ever said, man, I need somebody to help me, kids are like, oh, man, I'm in hands all over. What have you got three or 400 kids in front of you? You know, it's hard to pick because you got all these hands raised, you know. But adults aren't that way, are we? I need a couple of volunteers. Not me. I mean, your nose is itching like terribly bad, but you don't even want to go because, man, I could pick you. I mean, it's a dangerous prayer. Whenever you get up in the morning and, and you, you pray these two words, it's dangerous. These two words, I'm telling you, if you wake up in the morning and you are serious about this and you pray these two words, it's dangerous. You say, well, pastor, what two words are you talking about? Pretty easy. Lord, use me. Oh, that's three words. Just say, use me. Use me. Just get up in the morning. I mean, he knows you're talking to him. Just look up, whatever you want to do, and just say, use me. Those are dangerous words because I'm telling you, that's whenever God will get right in the middle of your life and he will use you. We need that same attitude that, that King David had in Psalm 67. He said, send us around the world with the news of your saving power and your eternal plan for all man, mankind. That's the attitude that you and I need. We've we got we to gotta be people that just by faith step out and say, God, use me. If you want God to use you in a great way, you're going to have to be a volunteer. The fourth thing, and this is the last thing, Amanda, if you'll come this morning and help me close this. The last thing is this. It's simple. Go where you can now. Maybe you can't go to a foreign mission field now, but you can go somewhere now. I go where I can. My life is complicated, and I, I would love to be taking mission trips, but I, I can't right now. But I can go where I can go. Does that make sense? Those places around me, I, I'm going every day. I can go knock on somebody's door. I can write a letter. I can send an email. Are you all there with me? I mean, I can go to somebody where I am now. If you're just waiting and waiting, God, send me to the foreign mission field and I'm, I'm going to Yugoslavia one of these days or I'm going to the Czech Republic or wherever it is. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting to share. I'm telling you something, you'll probably never get there because you're going to have to be a good missionary on this side before you're going to be a good missionary on the other side. You see, you and I live in this community and it's filled with needs. There's needs all around us. People are hurting and people are dying. People are bleeding. And there are so many people that need help. 
and we've got literally hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of needs that you could be the answer to. Right here in our own backyard. Whenever I moved to this community, we bought a house on South Skeena, and boy, it wasn't very long. I found out that everybody in the church said, man, what did you buy on South Skeena? Those people on South Skeena are crazy. Don't you know that that was the moonshine capital of the whole universe at one time? The universe, not just the county, it was the universe. And South Skeena still has a lot of crazy things that happen. But I believe with everything that's in my heart that God put us there for a reason. I rarely ever will pass by a hitchhiker on South Skeena. I've picked up tons of people just driving by and they're walking to town. I stop and pick them up. They're walking the other direction. I stop and pick them up. And man, if they're in my car, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell them about Jesus. You see, we may not be able to go there, but we can do whatever we need to right here where we're at. There was a guy one time really struggling that Jesus ministered to, personal demons in his life, and Jesus helped him. Jesus helped him to get his head right. Jesus helped him to get his act together. And the very next response from this man was that he wanted to follow Jesus into the next town. Jesus, I'm going with you into the next town. But in Luke chapter 8, this is what it says that Jesus told him. Jesus said, you go back home and tell people how much God has done for you. So the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. And I believe that's what God is saying to all of us that are sitting here in this sanctuary this morning. All of us that are listening in by, by the internet. We need to go back home. We need to tell people on our campus. We need to tell people at our school. We need to tell people in our business. We need to pe tell people in our neighborhood. We need to tell people that we work with. All the people that are around us, we need to tell them about the good news of Jesus Christ. I can't go to Africa. Man, early on in the ministry, I wanted, I wanted God to call me to be a children's minister in Africa. Man, they had so many kids and they were so receptive to the gospel. And I thought, man, God, just let me be a, let me be a missionary to Africa. Let me go over there. Come on, God. Come on. Do it, God. Do it. And he never did. So that's why I had to make the most of where I was. The last verse that we have for today is 2 Timothy 4, 5. It says, work at bringing others to Christ. Work at bringing others to Christ. I believe that's our memory verse for this week. Work at bringing others to Christ. Why should we be working to bring others to Christ? So that they can experience the love so that they can experience that forgiveness, that peace, that, that purpose. I mean, so they can experience their whole past being forgiven, gone. So that they can get a hold of their purpose for living. They're just meandering out there right now. No idea what their purpose is, but they can get a hold of their purpose for living. 
You see, every one of these things I just got through naming, that's what God's offering them. He's offering them. And so I got to conclude with this question right here. How hard have you been working to bring others to Jesus Christ? How hard have you been working? You know, before I ask you that question, I had to ask myself that question. And I said, well, I'm the pastor of the church here, and I button my dog button here. I can't button the next one. I'm a reverend, a man of the cloth. Man, that thing's high-powered. I better unbutton it. I had to ask myself that question. I had to say, okay, Watson, what are you doing? You're preaching this sermon Sunday morning about being sent. But what are you doing? You couldn't go to Africa. You, you're, you're right here in Franklin. And I go, but I'm pastoring. I'm trying to get all of them to get out there and work. And I have to be very honest with you. The Holy Spirit just really began to put his thumb on top of my life. And this is what he told me. He said, you could do a whole lot more than you're doing. And he kind of hurt my feelings. Because I said, you know, if somebody comes into my office, I'll, I'll share the gospel with them. You know, I'll pick somebody up in the car and share the gospel with them. But this is, I think we need to be working hard at it. Does that make sense? This last big windstorm blew a bunch of trees down up in the top of my property and I've been up there cutting them and dragging them out of the woods. And man, I'm telling you, I've been doing it by myself, just me and Jesus. And it's hard work. I sweated. And again, I'm a preacher. I shouldn't be sweating. There's been a lot of things that I've done over my lifetime that I can tell you it's indeed hard work but I don't think I could ever tell you that the last year or two in my life, I've worked hard at bringing people to Jesus Christ. And that's got to change. It's got to be my mission. It's got to be my call. I'm sent to this community. I didn't know about Franklin before I came here. Didn't know you before I came here, but now I'm here. And this is the place God has planted me so that I could work hard sharing the gospel with those people that do not know. Folks, it's not just me though. It's you, it's this ministry. God has given us this amazing facility so that we could fill it up. And it's not about a numbers game. It's about a people, a people that are right now out there sleeping one off, their lives are in a mess. Their families are in turmoil and they need Jesus Christ. And we are the sent ones. Father, this morning we pray over this word. We've talked about this being sent this weekend. It's a tough subject, Father. 
but I know that it is a subject that is perhaps the dearest to your heart. You want people in your family. You want a huge family, Lord Jesus. It's the reason that you created the universe. It's the reason that you sent your son, Lord. And so, Father, I pray a couple of things this morning. Give us faith to believe that you could use us to make a difference in eternity. That you could use us, Lord God. The normal folks that call Trinity Church home, Lord, that you could use us to make a difference. That you could use us in our simpleness and our plainness, Lord. Use us in our uneducated ways, Father. You could use us. Cause us to have the faith to believe that. And Father, I pray this as well. Keep us from being distracted because the enemy fights this calling probably more than any calling. He fights us being sent because he doesn't want one single more. He he doesn't want one single person, Father God, more than what we have now in the kingdom to know you. He wants to stop right now. But Father, we take on this challenge And in Jesus' name, we will live out our calling of being sent. And we will be a church, Father. I speak it in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We will be a church that is sent to our communities, that is sent to the four corners of this earth. We will be sent to the lost of this world. And we will work hard at bringing them to Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. God bless you folks. Love on one another. Don't forget that next week is the fellowship right after our celebration Sunday. And I encourage you to bring somebody with you. Amen. God bless you.